0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we have special projects editor Stephen Graves interviewing Camelia Russo. And it's special because we weren't going to put out an episode today. However... When we get some good interviews, some good conversations like this, we want to make sure that we're going to get it to you. Please note that audio quality is as best as we can do because it was right in the middle of a conference and it was done as well, kind of makeshift. Anyway, enjoy this conversation with Stephen Graves, Camelia Russo, and I'll be back tomorrow with our headlines.
0: Enjoy. So, as, as we said, we're joined by Camilla Russo, who is the editor of The Defiant, a Web3 and crypto publication, and also the author of The Infinite Machine. Um, the Infinite Machine is a book all about the creation of Ethereum. So I, want, I was wondering what first prompted you to write about crypto in general and Ethereum in particular. Sure.
1: Um, so my story with crypto dates to a long time ago, 2013. Um, I was at Bloomberg News at the time, and living in Argentina, Buenos Aires, uh, reporting about markets there. And, um, you know, a lot of our reporting was about how Argentine investors and savers were protecting themselves against inflation and currency controls. And so it was in that context that I um, learned about Bitcoin, because even back then there was this growing of people in Argentina buying Bitcoin to protect their savings against 25% um, inflation, which is now at like 100% or something. Um, (coughs) So uh, when I learned about this uh, through my reporting, um, I was living those same problems myself, like I was earning my own salary in Argentina pesos. So um, I realized (coughs) this is pretty important, like this money that you can't mess with, that it's not controlled by a central bank, that's not, it needs any financial intermediary. So since then I was interested in crypto. And then I had the chance to cover it again, still at Bloomberg in 2017, um, this time in New York. And 2017 was like, do you remember like this huge bull run? Um, And so I had the opportunity of of covering crypto on a day-to-day basis. There was huge demand for crypto coverage. Um, And I became one of the first financial, like mainstream financial reporters covering the space. And then at the end of 2017, I was like, what did I just witness? Like, this is amazing. Um, And I had always wanted to write a, a book. And so I thought, you know, there has to be a book here somewhere. And I decided that Ethereum was the most important story to tell that hadn't been told yet. So I pitched to write a book on the history of Ethereum, got a deal with Cullen, um, and then published the book in 2020.
0: And what did the process of actually writing a book about a, a decentralized cryptocurrency actually entail? You went to all sorts of conferences, mm-hmm. you interviewed all the key players?
1: Very different from writing about a, a traditional company. Um, you know like at Bloomberg covering financial markets you always have the like flag like the PR at a bank that you can call and like they can give you kind of the official story you at least have like the official version of things you have like a centralized kind of corporate structure with Ethereum obviously there's none of that and there's no official story and the the whole project is made up of you know hundreds of people Um, so it was about kind of getting um as many interviews uh, as I could from uh, people who were there at the time at each kind of key moment in the story. And of course I started out with interviewing like all the initial co-founders. So obviously Vitalik, Gavin I mean, Wood, Charles Hoskinson. And from there, it, my reporting and research process just like started branching out, interviewing more and more people. Um, and that's how I started kind of piecing the story together.
0: And how did that narrative sort of unfold as you were writing? What what were the sort of key beats in the story of Ethereum?
1: So the key moments, I guess, were kind of Vitalik entering Bitcoin at first, and then his idea of building a more flexible base layer. Um, then after that, like writing the white paper and uh, inspiring a, a group of kind of hackers and investors to support him in his mission. Um, the the Miami house where like the co-founders met for the first time, then um, launching the, like all the work that led up to launching and all the drama that happened there. There was, a, you know, a lot of like big personalities involved in early Ethereum and that resulted in a lot of tension and clashes. Um, so there was just like a lot of drama in, in building the Ethereum mainnet. And then the, the DAO hack is kind of another key Milestone. Then finally, kind of the boom and bust, like 2017 through 2019. Um, And at the end of the book, I talk about how just like NFTs and DeFi were just starting to emerge. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, crypto moves very fast. Obviously, um, here we are, just a few years on, and the space is completely different. Having uh, started to write the the Infinite Machine, at, at what point did you decide? Because it's being turned into a film. At what point did you decide this narrative could go on screen? Um, when did you start exploring that?
1: As I was writing, um, I always wanted to, to write my book in a way that it it read like fiction. You know, like it. I I wanted it to read like a novel. So but one of my favorite writers is Michael Lewis. And, uh, you know, he's like a great inspiration for me. And and just like, I wanted to write that kind of book. Um, And so to do that, it's very important to kind of paint a picture uh, with words and and have dialogue and description. So like I went to the Souk house to be able to describe it. And and I, I did like all these things to be able to, you know, make it come alive. Um, and so that, that's just the, the kind of story I wanted to write, but I never really imagined that, you know, the book would actually be turned into a film. Um, and it's not like a, a decision that I made. Like I, <clears throat> of course, like um, my agent kind of like shoved it around when, it, when the book was just published, but didn't get any any bites then. But then a, a couple of uh, production companies approached me and one was in, in Hollywood and the other one was in Spain. And actually, uh, Alejandro from Versus Entertainment is here. Um, <laughs> and uh, the executive producer of, uh, of the film, uh, Francisco Guardillo was the one who actually reached out. And um, him and Alejandro were working on a documentary on, on blockchain, but then Francisco um, had written my book and said, well, you know, we should scrap this and actually do a movie about this book instead. So, yeah, it's like I had these kind of two production companies reach out and the Hollywood one, um, I mean, at first, like, seemed appealing because, you know, it's in Hollywood, but then um, they were, like, very slow to respond and didn't seem kind of, like, very committed to actually having the movie made while Alejandro and, and Francisco were... Very much, kind of, so eager and and like so passionate about the project that I decided to go with them because I felt, you know, I should go with the 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 team that where where the my chances will improve to actually seeing the the movie get made. Um and yeah, that's how it happened.
0: And so then um, the, the, the ball is rolling on the film, um, when did you decide to adopt a sort of a web 3 approach to, to funding it um, and producing this uh, NFT collection associated with it?
1: So, well, another kind of draw about working um, with, uh, with Versus is that uh, they included me in the, in the executive production uh, process. So I, I got to have a say on how the movie is funded and we started thinking about NFTs pretty much from the start. And you know, it, it seemed like very obvious to me. It's like, this is the first book about the history of Ethereum. It probably, w- or will be the first movie on Ethereum. It should definitely be funded with Ethereum technology and, and Ethereum community, like that, that would just, um, it, it, it wouldn't make sense to, to fund it kind of only in the traditional way. So, uh, yeah, from the start, we started thinking about how to kind of get NFTs involved in the process.
0: I, I guess that leads on to the next question quite quite nicely, which is um, how are NFTs involved in the process? What are the mechanics of, of how the collections work? And mm. how did you go about um, picking the artists for the collection?
1: The, the whole um, process was uh, was structured kind of just like, it was like very kind of organic, like it just flowed. And so we we decided, okay, we'll fund, we'll try to fund as much of the movie as we can with NFTs and we'll give uh, NFTs some sort of utility so people have access to the film. So that was kind of the initial thinking about the, what NFTs would do. And then the, the question was like, okay, the art, like who will design it? And I thought, you know, like first we were thinking about kind of what like, really big, big names can we get into the project? But then I thought, you know, like this is about kind of the OG Ethereum story. We should get, um, maybe the guy who designed the Ethereum logo should design these NFTs. So I reached out to, um, with Ethereum nothing is like clear cut. So like the the logo design wasn't clear cut either. And there are like many versions about who designed the Ethereum logo. And it was like, maybe like really a group kind of thing. But like one of the guys happened to be already involved in NFTs, and so I was like, okay, this guy seems like he would be, you know, into it. So I contacted him, and he happened to be working with a group of Cuban artists making NFTs. And so we got to talking, and I said, you know, like it really makes sense to do with do this with your Cuban uh, artist group. Um, and then the project just grew, and we decided to include. Um, a a group of uh, artists from many emerging nations. And he brought on Gladys, who is an art professor in the University of Havana, like she lives in Havana, Cuba. And she curated 36 artists from all over, from Cuba, Venezuela, Bolivia, Chile, Kenya, India. Um, And the idea was to really get a group of artists who are, you know, just starting in the NFT world and who came from emerging countries because this is the time of like the huge NFT boom of last year where a lot of kind of the, the people who made it big were already in like big you know financial hubs you know san francisco or, or new york or you know western europe but in the places where nfc actually makes life-changing impact for people it's really in the emerging world um, and so I thought, you know, maybe our project can be a platform for those artists who may, don't get as much visibility. So we brought on uh, these re- like really talented uh, uh, group of people, and um, they all designed ten versions of the Ethereum logo, uh, and we made them into mosaics. We cut them up in like four pieces, and then like programmatically combined them. And so the result is just like this explosion of Ethereum, it's, like very colorful, very diverse. A very representative of the Ethereum community itself. So, um, yeah, the, the kind of the art part of the project is really beautiful. Um, yeah.
0: And obviously, as well as the art, the NFTs entitle the holders to certain sort of yeah. perks um, mm-hmm. involved with the production. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah.
1: yeah. So obviously, like it, it was important to include uh, the community. Like this is not just like a funding vehicle. Uh, the idea as, as you know, we've talked about uh, throughout is to start to like flip the the um, movie creation, like production process um, on its head and start with community. And so these NFTs uh, give holders uh, different perks. Um, and so some of them, like I, I, I like to see them as like a backstage pass into movie production. So people get um, a chance to uh, be an extra in the film uh, to appear in the credits, to be invited to the shooting locations um, and to be invited to the premiere. And so there's, I think like 60% of NFTs have like these Easter eggs inside. And then the, I guess like the mo- more kind of significant part is that NFT holders are also members of a DAO. And the DAO has an executive producer role in the film itself. So um, the goal is for NFT holders to participate in, um, in, in production uh, in the future. And, and, and then the, the idea that this DAO will then fund and support other projects. So that the Infinite Machine Movie will be the first of hopefully many productions that this group of NFT holders uh, fund. And um, a percentage of all sales uh, go to a community treasury that is controlled by NFT holders. 10% goes to this treasury and, and and 22.5% go to artists in perpetuity. So this was also an important thing because as we all know, not NFT artists are properly compensated and we definitely you know, wanted
0: to change that with our project. And you're also doing some further drops for NFT holders, I believe.
1: Yeah, so, um, okay. So the, the, the primary collection hasn't been fully minted yet. Uh, we've done two drops, and the third drop is, um, so stay tuned. Aside from that, we are, the artist also created kind of a one of one piece, which will be dropped every two weeks. So holders are, are getting these kind of like, you know, perks along, along the way uh, of being part of the community.
0: Um, so the other big development that's happened recently for the project is um, obviously Scott Free's involvement. Um, how did that come about?
1: Um, so that's all Alejandro's work. Um, so with, with Infinite Machine Book, uh, my goal from the start was I just wanted to write a book that anyone could read, just like for the mainstream, anyone could pick it up even if they had never heard about crypto. Um, and for the movie, it's the same goal. We, we want to make um, just like a mainstream blockbuster movie. And um, hopefully it'll be kind of the first one about crypto. Um, like I, I, I like to kind of hope like the catchphrase like the social network of crypto um, is the idea. And so with, with the team, we always knew ideally we would have a like US-based, um, a US-based um, co-producer. To help us in in that goal so yeah Alejandro uh, got to work um, and you know meeting people pitching the project uh, he was in in LA for a while and uh, spoke to many different uh, studios and uh, Scott was super excited uh, about our project we were so so excited to recently uh, sign and announce that
0: and how do the logistics of working with a sort of centralized legacy production partner and a very sort of future-looking Web3 DAO-based um, back-end work? How do, you, how do you conduct those negotiations, I guess?
1: So the NFT and DAO part of the project is like completely separate from, like, Scarfree. And, and, you know, they are in kind of the very much kind of traditional production side um, of, of the project. And me and Francisco are, are leading the kind of NFC and and DAO side of things. So like, like was mentioned before, like this is how we are you know securing funding, securing our, our community um, and and then kind of the, 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 the rest of the, the movie is, is, is kind of uh, made in a more like traditional way. because I think like in the end, um, these are just tools to the same end, like this is about telling stories that people wanna see and that doesn't change uh, about film. Like at, at its core that's, you know, um, so we are, we're using these tools to make the experience better and to include our audience and, and to connect with our communities and uh, to make funding easier. Um, but, in the end, you still have to, you know, produce a great movie.
0: Um, what stage of production has the film actually reached at this point, and um, when when is it coming out? <laughs> yeah. What's the plan going forward?
1: Um, so very early uh, in in production. Uh, right now, the um, the script uh, is just uh, being written, um, and so yeah, we're still kind of a couple years of aw- yeah years away. So I'd say like 2024. 20, uh, but Alejandro is the one who, who knows the, <laughs> the production details. Um, and it just like highlights what, you know, we, we mentioned before that there's been, we've been working on this project since October, I think last year when we launched, the, the, like first launched the NFT project. And this is before we had anything, uh, but we do have a community. And so we are, we're growing this community together with people who are, Excited about seeing this movie come out. You know, people who read my book, uh, people who kind of connect with my work, um, and who are you know just it, it have like similar interests, interests, and um, and you know want to connect with uh, with other other like-minded people. So um, yeah, it's it's just like changes movies are experience. It's
0: it's interesting that you will you're building a DAO that you envisage. Um, going forward um, and producing other productions. Um, why, why have you adopted that model rather than specifically making a DAO for this film um, and then maybe spinning up another DAO for the next one and so on and so forth?
1: I guess like it, it just like simplifies things and, and it gives it continuity. Like um, I, I would love for the infinite machine, like project to, to just live on and, and become its own thing. Like without me even, you know? Um, yeah i don't know i i think that it, it would just be like very beautiful if that happened if kind of the infinite machine was uh, the the seed that then was able to grow uh, other other projects
0: to broaden the conversation out a little bit beyond um your specific project obviously you've had a sort of front row seat of the process of web3 filmmaking so um what are some of the most exciting developments in the space that you've seen we've been talking about funding production and distribution um, in both your role as, as uh, editor of The Defiant and as, as the writer of The Infinite Machine. What have you seen in the space that's getting you excited?
1: With most things in, in crypto, because the the technology is made as a, as a means to transfer value, the financial aspect will always be kind of the low-hanging fruit. It's kind of what this thing was made for. So um, the financing aspect, know, is what's being developed first, uh, and it, it seems kind of like cold and boring. But in the end, I think it's 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 really interesting because it has the opportunity of uh, of opening up production to uh, to people who maybe would otherwise uh, find it very hard to get their movie funded. Um, and like like Stoner Cats is a great example. Yeah, I, I think the the funding part of it of going directly to to audiences and, and not having to rely on on third parties or VCs or or, or anyone else um, is is pretty kind of groundbreaking. Uh, I, I think that's kind of the, the main kind of development we're seeing in in web three film. Uh, I think kind of. Community building uh, is, is the other interesting one, and I think we're still learning about how to best do that. Like, what sort of utility uh, works, what doesn't, um, how to, um, you know, distribute benefits. Because obviously, I, I like the ideal scenario would be to share the movie royalties with NFT holders. That's, you know, obviously, that would be the case. Of course, there's like regulatory concerns uh, with that so like how to navigate that uh, it's why we're not doing it. Oh that whole kind of community building aspect uh, is super interesting but still kind of just starting to to be explored and I think the the areas that are really on kind of the forefront that that very green yet uh, still is the like distribution and actually and actually kind of Storing film in an in like a decentralized way, you know, like okay, like film NFTs, like actually, you know, buying an NFT that can be like the the medium for the film, and having kind of these distrib- like distribution platforms that can be protocols and things like that, which, you know, yeah, the, the the panel before talked about that, but still very kind of in the early stages, um, and yeah, that's super exciting.
0: What do you see as some of the technological hurdles that need to be overcome before we can actually reach that stage?
1: So many, I think like, I guess like it's the same things that are true for other applications are also true for film. Like we we are seeing so many, um, like we're seeing the limits of blockchain scalability and uh, things, you know, with Ethereum, it's like that's where all the volume and developers and like and the community is, but that's also the most expensive network. Uh, going to layer two is super difficult. Like there's a whole kind of UI US challenge. And like people people were saying, like yeah, it's great to have something that's decentralized and permissionless and so on, but you also want to reach a bigger audience. And if you want, you know, if you're going to like go for people who go who know how to reach to Polygon, at, like how many thousands of I don't know, a couple of thousand. Um, so yeah, I think there there's still a huge kind of technological gap. Storage is also an issue um, because you know like the amount of like space that you need to store like an actual film and an NFT um, is tough to do in a decentralized way. So yeah, still a lot to figure out.
0: Privacy, the right click problem. You need yeah. to be able to. Uh, Keep the content secure so you can't just right click and save it the Hollywood reporter published a piece this week Which was uh, which was titled can is the film industry really ready to embrace nfts? Um, Do you think it is yet? Um, And if not what needs to happen for it to embrace nfts?
1: Um, I don't know. I I don't know like I'm I'm not like a film uh, Insider it's not like my world so I'm not sure, I would guess like any intermediary that is being disintermediated is not ready for that <laughs> and doesn't <laughs> want it to happen. So yeah, I would guess they, 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 they're not ready. Um, but you know, for me, it's the same with the rest of crypto. Like, even if they're ready or not, it's, it's happening. Like, for me, um, blockchain is building uh, an additional value layer on top of the internet, like Web3 is here. Um, and I think it'll start to permeate into every industry. Of course, film is not going to be excluded, and it's you know it's already happening. Um, so yeah, to me, it doesn't really matter whether the traditional film industry is ready or not because it's it's going to happen anyway.
0: And at the moment, it's it's very much confined to I guess small scale and an indie um, outfits. Uh, Scott Free being the exception I guess um, their involvement. When do you think we're going to see that transition from the sort of the small scale hustle indie um, outfits to maybe a larger embrace of it by sort of the big Hollywood players?
1: Um, you know I, I think it will be about uh, using these first, I don't know if experiments is the word but first examples of uh, projects using NFTs and, and crypto uh, as a way to see what works and what doesn't and the examples to follow. And as these things are successful, then uh, the, the kind of the big uh, guys won't be afraid to, to use this, this technology. I think it'll be kind of probably very gradual at first and then like, it'll, it'll just, you know, happen. Um, but I, I think it, it takes uh, a few kind of success cases Uh, for people to really feel like, okay, that it's okay to dive in. Uh, That plus what we talked about, kind of the the tech uh, barriers that still need to be solved, which I'm sure that they will be, but uh, it'll take uh, a bit of time. So, yeah, i say kind of a couple of success cases, um, a bit of kind of the, the tech gaps.
0: Do you think that the past week's events might have dented confidence and pushed that timeline back a little, or...?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think probably, you know, to, to be honest, like I, um, it's price moves interest in, in, in crypto in the end. Uh, I think what, what we usually see is we have a, a boom that gets a lot of headlines that uh, attract a lot of capital and people in um, that means the market kind of really gets ahead of itself and then it crashes and kind of corrects uh, into a more kind of rational level. Um, and it's what we're seeing now. So maybe, yeah, you know, some people who were like really excited to figure things out and, and, and see crypto will now have uh, stepped away, but it's in kind of these bear markets, you know, where a lot of the real development happens. So maybe uh, we'll get kind of all those tech uh, developments and improvements that we talked about in the next kind of year or, or two as things are, you know, uh, have pulled off, um, and and then kind of in the next bull run, maybe you know even more people
0: will jump in. Um, you talked earlier about sort of disrupting centralized players. Um, how much resistance do you anticipate from the big centralized players in the industry, like your your Amazons and Netflixes, when things like digital ownership of films start becoming a reality? Because at the moment they have a fairly fairly cushy job. You know they they sell you a license to stream content and you don't actually own it. So do you anticipate resistance from that?
1: You know, it's like if the financial industry is, um, you know, serves as a guide of, of what will happen, um, they will first say that crypto is a scam um, and, and, and try to kind of, um, you know, push people away from it. Uh, then they'll try to get regulators uh, involved, um, but that will all fail. And when when that all fails, then they'll start to adopt it. So you'll see kind of like Netflix coin or something. Um, but in the end, it's like really kind of the, really kind of crypto native projects that succeed in, in this industry. So, you know, when, when you see like really um, external, like like Walmart NFTs, like those things will never succeed. Like even even if it's you know, the, the, the biggest company in the US uh, doing NFTs, that'll, that'll never catch on. Um, and so I think in, in film, it's gonna be the same way. Like it, it'll be really the crypto native projects that, uh, that understand the community, that connect with users, that use the technology, how it's meant to be used um, in a decentralized way, with a protocol, with a token and so on. Uh, those are the ones who will succeed uh, in, in this industry. Um, and yeah, I think centralized players will, it'll be very tough for them to, to adjust. So uh, yeah, I, I think they'll, they'll try to do some like, like hacky way of, of adopting crypto, uh, but in the end, uh, I, I don't see them succeeding. Uh,
0: another thing you mentioned earlier, um, obviously uh, the, the DAO is credited as an executive producer on your film. I think we've seen a couple of other examples of DAOs becoming involved as producers. What happens when multiple DAOs are involved and how do you sort of divvy up their um, creative responsibilities and their rights in, in a project?
1: I don't know. I don't even know how one DAO, like what's <laughs> gonna happen with one DAO, you know? <laughs> it's like, this is so early. Uh, we're all just like learning as, as we go, to be honest. Like it's never been done. Um, so I really hope uh, the Infinite Machine uh, project uh, is, like an example that others can follow. I, I'm sure we'll screw up on some things, um, so hopefully, you know, others can learn from from what we do. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what's exciting about this kind of—we're all building it from scratch. So we'll have to see how it works.
0: Just like to say, thank you very much for your uh, coming coming in. Speaking to us, um, I, I realize it's been a flying visit for you because you were at the Vatican yesterday yes. <laughs> and jetting back tomorrow. So yeah. um, thanks very much for your time. Thanks to our audience um, for being present here and on beam. Um, and thanks to uh, you guys for organizing this. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. I will be back with headlines tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. I hope you ate some burgers. I hope you drank some beer.
0: And I hope you and your family are well. And until tomorrow, happy huddling, everyone.